Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and I'm back. <laughs> Julie is not joining me today, and I'm not going to make a fancy excuse for her. She's, you know, not on some important coaching meeting or doing a bunch of Zooms. She's getting her hair done. <laughs> and here in Puerto Rico, where we live, it's actually not so easy to get an appointment to get your hair done. So that is what she is doing. So that is the reason she's not joining us today. So I had an interesting impromptu coaching session with someone uh, in our EXP Realty Group. And this is a top producer, somebody who sells hundreds of houses per year, somebody who generally speaking has been, you know, always has a, the right attitude. Um, they're certainly not a pessimist, optimist, great condition physically, good relationships with wife and kids. The whole thing is, you know, spot on. Just somebody who's really focused on, um, you know, being successful. And being successful is what he has done for a long period of time. You know, a great overall guy, you'll have to agree. So here's the interesting thing that he wanted to talk with me about. He was finding himself, and I think it was probably spurred on, or at least this uh, coaching session was spurred on, as a result of him listening to some of probably our last three podcasts, because this time of year, it's really important that all of us remind uh, each other, ourselves, um, you know, primarily, being introspective about the importance of not allowing yourself to become complacent. And complacency is one of those things that slips into your life and it sometimes takes years before you've realized that you have become complacent. You can become complacent in your weight, you can become complacent in your finances, you can become complacent in, you know, just all kinds of things. This It's so easy just to sort of, you know, subconsciously primarily say, you know what, yeah, this is good enough. I've just about climbed this mountain. I've gotten this thing licked. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Now, you do that in your relationship, you're going to lose your relationship. You do that in your health, you're going to lose your health. You do that in your finances, you're going to lose your finances. You do that educationally, time's going to march on and you're going to become irrelevant. You do that spiritually, you're going to lose connection um, with your God. So these are all things that basically all of us have to take into consideration. The point being is you never can stay complacent. Being complacent is actually against nature. I think fundamentally practically speaking all of you realize that but the you know just me saying that you're going to think well no kidding tim if i become complacent with you know managing my money and earning money and doing what i don't want to do and i don't want to do it at the highest level i'll lose what i have now i'm going to take a little side journey here before i get to the actual things i suggested that he work on and this is what i think you guys will find very interesting so the reality of it is, is that what motivates most people isn't the fear, I'm sorry, isn't moving towards the accomplishment of a goal, even though that's what people will say. So people will say that, you know, I'm motivated because I'm moving toward, I'm moving towards, uh, you know, I want to accomplish the purchase of a new house or I want to accomplish the, um, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to do all these things. Now, then you have to ask yourself if everyone is positioning themselves or pretending or telling the world that they're motivated by the carrot, let's say, why are so few people accomplishing their goals? It's kind of an interesting fact. How many people 
you know, this is an overused example, but it's probably the easiest one to understand succinctly. How many people join a gym in January and basically are done by May? There's all kinds of statistics on that. And that right there is the typical cycle of someone joining a gym. They join, they say, I'm going to lose weight. This is going to be the year. I'm going to get the weight off. And then they start going to the gym and maybe they even go every day. They're making friends and then life enters in and they start making excuses. They start falling back into old habits. Their friends say, you know what, Bob, you don't need to lose any weight. You don't even look overweight at all. All the while, they're the same position overweight wise. And so they just don't want Bob to change because then they're going to make, you know, if Bob were to lose weight, it would make them uncomfortable. You guys get the whole thing. This is what happens. This is the you know, the perpetual problem that all of us have, and we don't know it, is that, you know, the best way to explain it is crabs in a bucket. You put a bunch of crabs in a bucket, one tries to get out, the other crabs will pull it back in. Well, that same thing is going to happen in your life as you try to improve. Because people around you, for the most part, are going to uh, basically aid your innate desire or your belief that you can become complacent. And I'm here to tell you, and again, I know you all know this intuitively, you can't become become complacent um, with any aspect of your life. So getting back to the point about true motivation, what really truly motivates you, me, you, everyone, isn't moving towards the accomplishment of a goal. It's the fear of losing what you already have. So if you want to really get at the heart of uh, why you do or don't do something, think of it this way. If you, for example, had the fear of losing your cell phone or, you know, because you couldn't pay the bill or your car because you couldn't make the lease payment or whatever, or your house, you guys get the scenario here. There is nothing that's going to stand in the way of you being, uh, you know, essentially able to raise the money to keep those assets, right? To keep that phone, to keep that car, to keep that house. You're going to do whatever it takes. Same thing goes true with your health. If you're in a situation where you go to the doctor, and I've given you this example, I'll give it to you again for you new listeners because I have to always remind myself that we're picking up thousands of new listeners every month. Um, I had a coaching client. His first name was Monet. And I don't know if he still listens to the podcast. I don't even think he's in real estate anymore. I think he basically completely retired and is living off his uh, passive income at this point. That was always his goal. So here's what, um, how this goes. Monet was evidently, this is before he was a coaching client of mine, really, really overweight. And he had gained so much weight and he had, had you know, essentially was carrying around this weight for so long that he just basically got used to it. And it wasn't something he was really overly concerned about. Of course, he'd go to the doctor when he'd go to the doctor and he had diabetes that he developed, which is a common, unfortunate problem that overweight people have. And so he then went to the, you know, he'd have to go to the doctor on a regular basis and anytime some little problem would happen, or I mean, I'm not really an expert, medical expert here. I'm just telling you what he told me. So the doctor was always telling him as this disease progressed, because that's what diabetes is. It's a self-created disease. At least it was in his case, obviously not true in all cases. As this disease progresses, one of the things that was going to inevitably happen is he was going to lose blood circulation to his extremities, toes, fingers, legs, you know extremities, right? Uh, so, and if those things basically, uh, as you, it, what, and this is what happens is that if, for example, and this is what happened to him, the doctor said, you're essentially, your circulation is so, I think it was his left foot. Your circulation is so bad in your left foot, we're going to have to remove it. And the doctor, again, had been telling Monet of the inevitable problems that were going to come as a result of him not losing his weight and his diabetes getting worse. So the doctor succinctly said, I'll have my nurse come in and schedule it for you so he can remove it. And I, again, I'm not privy to all the medical nuance points here and don't get stuck there. Just move forward with me in the story. So Monet at that point, 
and this is him telling me, essentially said, you're not going to remove my foot. And furthermore, I'm going to get in good shape so I can fix this problem and get rid of diabetes. I don't have to, uh, you know, essentially ever have this conversation with you again. And that's what he did. And so this guy had been carrying all this weight for this long period of time. And the doctor had been telling him forever that he was going to, you know, essentially one day have some of his extremities removed because his diabetes progresses. In his case, it was obviously creating circulation issues. And he, you know, didn't care. He just kept on his, you know, marching on his own tune and, you know, not eating and exercising and not, you know, all that, all the rest of it. One day, doctor says, guess what? You're going to remove something. You're going to lose something you already have. In this case, your left foot. And then he had the spark to lose the weight. And then this is where the story gets interesting. And I did see this picture. He actually lost so much weight and got in such good shape. He was on the cover of a men's fitness magazine. I don't remember which one it was. So that's a fascinating story that I just told you. So what's the takeaway? So I heard this story originally. He told me this was probably over, I don't know, probably over a decade ago. And um, after that, Julie and I are obviously studying motivation. We were writing books. We're doing podcasts. We're trying to help you guys, right? And we knew from coaching for so long and having, I don't even know how many individual coaching calls Julie and I have had. I bet you between the two of us, we've had over, I, I don't want to say a million, but I bet you it's close. So um, I know that motivation uh, is not something that is in a, it's not the same formula for every single person. But I do know that when someone, even the most lazy, complacent person is fearful of losing something they already have, then and only then do they truly find the, you know, the motivation that they're fearful of or, or that they were, you know, thinking they didn't have. Now, their motivation can be, uh, you don't have to wait to have an extremity removed to finally get off your butt and take charge of your life. There's other triggers that can cause that. And I remember another coaching client I had, and he basically was great guy, great intentions, first name Robert. And he was, you know, I started coaching him when he was like in his mid to late thirties and he would do just enough. He would have just, but he was so, he had so much potential. He knew it. I knew it. He just wasn't going to do anything. So then what happened? He's about to turn 40. He turns 40. And after that, he, it's like a switch went on. He was a completely different person. He became one of my best proactive lead generators I've ever coached. He was taking listings like crazy and he's gone on and he still is a very successful, uh, you know, just a fantastic guy. Robert, you know who I'm referring to and you, it, you happen to live in Virginia. If you're not sure who I'm referring to, I'm talking about you. So that's something that I want you guys all to remember. It doesn't have to be something really extreme like losing an extremity or losing a house or losing a car. But here's the takeaway. Modern psychological research, and you guys can Google this, it's actually quite fascinating, has, has basically proven that nobody is motivated by the carrot, right? Not, not long term. Now, you can be motivated by the carrot short term, but real long term uh, levels of motivation, generally speaking, comes from fear of losing what you already have. Now, some of you, like present company myself, have grew up where my family almost, you know, lost their house to foreclosure, grew up knowing that, you know, basically we had no food in the refrigerator. So I know what losing what you already have feels like. And that probably, and I'm, you know, telling you what I really feel is one of the things that I can pull from that fear of loss. And I can trigger that in myself to motivate myself. And I know a lot of you have similar situations and a lot of you can, you know, basically pull down and in deep inside of you and reconnect with the, you know, the inner you that maybe it was you when you were a kid who was broke or had financial hardship, or maybe it happened in your own lifetime. 
that is going to be something as you gain more affluence that you're going to have to remember that you can trigger at any time. That is the fear of losing something you already have because I'm here to tell you it is more powerful than moving towards something that you want. So if you're trying to ask yourself why it is that you're not doing what you know you're supposed to be doing, you can you know choose whatever that thing is that you're not doing that you're supposed to be doing. It's because there's no negative ramifications of you not doing it. Nothing bad happens if you don't do it, right? Your life does not change in a meaningful way if you don't you know, pick up the phone and call that FISBO. Everything's going to be just fine. Nobody knows you didn't do it. Your spouse, your kids, your loved ones are not going to know. Nobody knows, right? You can get away with not doing – you can get away for a while doing uh, avoiding the real work of real estate, uh, avoiding doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level, but it catches up with you. And this is the, again, I don't want to get on my soapbox about buying leads and all the gimmicks in real estate that have essentially proliferated in the last 10 years. But I think just from that little phrase, you kind of get conceptually where I'm coming from. The real work in real estate, the real work in life, the real work in your relationships, the real work in your finances, the real work in your spirituality, the real work in your education comes from doing real work. And you can't fake it. You can't just, you know, essentially think you can, just showing up is going to get it done. You can't actually just, you know, pretend, call yourself an influencer and start creating all these videos and think your online social presence is somehow going to fool smart people into thinking that you're the expert that they should be hiring for the job of selling their house. You can't do that. It doesn't work. That's not how life really works. You're going to have to drill down and really accept the fact that if you don't do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level, you're not only going to lose which you already have, you're actually going to carry some burden from that loss that's going to follow you around for the rest of your life. And what do I I mean by that? I'll drill down. So what I see a lot, and we get a lot of people coming to our coaching company that are licking their wounds from um, essentially past mistakes, mostly with regards to team building, brand building, buying leads. And they'll come to us after listening to this podcast, after reading our book, Harris Rules, it's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, everywhere else. And please do continue to text me pictures when you see the book in various bookstores all over the country, I love that. Especially if you're, you know, holding it and giving a little, you know, smile by the book, I love that. Now, my uh, cell phone number, you can text me directly, is five one two seven five eight zero two zero six. So, you know, you're in this situation where basically you're asking yourself, why can I not move forward? What is, what is, what is wrong with me? What's the lack of motivation that I'm experiencing in my life? Why is it that everyone else seems to be so bouncing off the walls? And you know, then you do your dream board. Okay, right? This is something look, we have I believe in dream boards. There's there's power in the visualization, no doubt. But then you don't seem to re- that doesn't seem to do it for you. There's no like you put a picture of this and the other thing, but you're not really doing the real work. There's still this gap that happens in between the wanting to have that or experience that on your dream board and actually doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, right? Because again, you don't do, if you just basically waltz through life and you're doing all the fun stuff and the sort of interesting stuff, the mental masturbation as I'm fond of calling it, where you're studying, getting ready to get started, watching videos, listening to things, all this, and you're not actually doing the real work. If you're in that perpetual getting ready to get started, loading your plane prior to takeoff is a good analogy, but you're never actually getting into the pilot seat and throttling down, let alone heading towards the runway, you're going to be there for the rest of your life. And that's what happens. You lose years, you lose decades. So how can you manifest that fear of losing something you already have? Chances are you can if you allow yourself to feel that. Don't be afraid of feeling that way because that's where you're going to find your motivation. And when you start to tap that fear of losing something you already have, I want you not to be afraid of it because that's where you're going to find your superpower. 
and this is true for 99.9% of you, the fear of loss is going to motivate you far greater than the fear of gain. Otherwise, all we all have to do is create dream boards and basically all the things on our dream board become true. So what most people, and I want you to think back to the examples I just gave you, what they learn the hard way is they don't actually engage in life or engage in their businesses. You know, again, I'm sorry for saying this over and over again. I'm trying to make a point. They don't actually do what they don't want to do when they don't want to do it at the highest level until they're fearful of losing what they already have, right? Manifest that, create that in your own life. Now, uh, create that in your own life before it actually is created for you is another way of thinking about it too, right? Monet had to have a doctor threaten to cut his foot off. Don't get, don't wait that long. You don't have to be that guy, you know, be learn. There's an old, I think I, we, who doesn't say an old Chinese proverb, but I actually think this is, there's a difference between, um, learning from your mistakes and learning from the mistakes of others. So learn from the mistakes of others. And if you look back at history, you look back at examples, you look back at all the people that you might admire, you're going to see that most of the greatest things that they ever created in their lives, the creative, uh, you know, sort of the entrepreneurial burst of energy, the genius that maybe they're remembered for historically, it always came after they were in a moment of crisis. It always came when they're fearful of losing what they already had. It could be material things. It could be reputation things. It could be relationship things. It could be their health. You guys get it? So learn how to manifest that within yourself because it's the most powerful motivator. Or eventually it's going to come around the bend and then that's going to manifest in your life and then you really will be facing down the fear of losing what you already have. So I want you guys to think about that if you're really questioning what your motivation is now or essentially questioning how to really draw yourself up to a higher level. So I'm going to go back to this coaching call I had. Now, so I'm talking to this gentleman, very, you know, like I said, great guy. One is easy to like people, you know, um, and so we're having this conversation um, and I'm very familiar with his, you know, his long time coaching relationship. I know about his family. I know about his, you know, his everything really. I mean, we've been close for a long time. And so I'm talking to him about all these things. I'm you know, talking about his kids and just trying to get a sense of where, where he's at, what the challenge is. And he said to me that he felt like he was complacent and he didn't understand why. And I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to tell you that he was really smart to pick that out within himself. Again, I think the recent podcasts have probably motivated him a little bit. Because he said he hasn't really meaningfully upgraded, um, and I mean that in the loosest of terms, anything in his life in like the last maybe 12 to 18 months. In other words, he realizes during you know this time of year causes people to sort of like leave the room in their minds for new operating system to be loaded, right? And so that's what he's trying to do. And he's, he's taking, uh, you know, he's, he's looking back and he's taking stock of what he's accomplished in the last 12 months. And he went back 18 months and he's someone that keeps a journal. So he looked back to what his goals were and all the rest of it. And he's seeing himself level off. He's seeing himself level off in all meaningful ways. He's, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, educationally. Now, educationally, actually, I'll take that one away. He's he's very interested in different things and he's always learning. So lifelong learning is something as a real strength of his. But those other categories, they were not. And so we started talking about, and, you know, obviously I'm a business coach, so my primary focus is always going to be on the finances. So I started talking about what it is that he was trying to accomplish. What financial things was he trying to accomplish? And he knew the little mental trick of basically triggering, um, you know, 
essentially motivation out of uh, tickling his uh, the fear within him of losing what he already had. So he knows that when he is not wanting to do what he doesn't want to do, when he doesn't want to do at the highest level, that he can then basically go within himself and he can trigger himself fearing fear, uh, to feel fearful of losing Say, for example, his house or his status or his finances or his rental properties or his truck or whatever it was, right? So he knows he can do that and he does that often. And it's almost, he does it subconsciously. He, it's like this little secret, you know, I don't know how to describe it basically, but emotionally, he, you know, he's in his office, he's being, you know, asked to do proactive lead generation, other things he doesn't want to do. So he can mentally go in and just like, you know, just flip a switch and feel that fear. And then basically he's going to force himself into doing what he doesn't want to do and he doesn't want to do it at the highest level. A lot of you do that, but you just don't do it consistently. Or a lot of you do it and you think the fear that you're manifesting within yourself, you're, you're not realizing that you're in control of it. So you can turn that fear off and you can turn that fear on. And once you realize that basically you're in control of that, the fear actually begins to benefit you because you're now using that as like a hit of caffeine, right? It's a, an adrenaline thing because the fear causes your body to actually have a physiological reaction, which then will put you into action. That's what you're trying to manifest with this little technique I'm sharing with you. Again, he knew this. And so I knew that wasn't the problem. So then we started making, a. I wrote down three questions for him. And actually, I ended up writing a whole bunch of questions down. But from that uh, informal coaching call, I wrote down these questions. And I think you guys should write these down too. And um, I ended up writing down probably 30 questions like this. But I'm going to just share with you three. So the first question I wrote down for him, and please just, if you're driving, <laughs> right, be careful. But at least think about this. So l- let's do the first one first. So what would happen if, this is what the title of this uh, podcast is, what would happen if you did your 12-month goals in three months? You did your, you know, your three-year goals in one year. So what would happen if you didn't give yourself 12 months to accomplish the 12-month goals? You did it in three months. You did it by the end of first quarter. And so he and I talked about that. I knew what his goals were. He does his real estate treasure map. You know, his goals are very similar to the way they are every single year. He wants to increase his net worth by a certain percent. He wants to increase his increase his profit by a certain percent. And then we work it backwards to figure out how many additional houses he needs to sell, which by the way, is the smart way to do your business plan. Don't just say, I want to sell more houses or, you know, add more revenue. Do it based on what your net's going to be for the sake of increasing your net worth. Um, and if you don't have your real estate treasure map, if you've not downloaded that yet, it's not too late for you. Just text 2021 to 855-685-1045. It is free. We'll give it to you. Um, you know, just do it right now. Just text 2021 to 855-685-1045. We'll text you back a link. You then click the link. And then when you do, you're going to be taken to a website and you can just download all of the free books. And that's not just the real estate treasure map, which is our fill in the blank business plan. It's also think and grow rich for real estate. It's your 12 monthly generation guide. It's all these things. But our long-term coaching clients, they use the uh, real estate treasure map, their business plan, and that's what they use to essentially create their own, you know, personal GPS for the entire year. So text 2021 to 855-685-1045. So the question was that I asked him, and I'm asking all of you, assuming you have written down goals, and if you don't, you know what to do, text 2021 to 855-685-1045. So I asked him, so what would happen if you accomplish all your 12-month goals? And some of them, truthfully, were impossible to accomplish in a quarter. I mean, some of his goals were, um, you know, 
physical goals, and it would, I don't know how he'd ever accomplish what he was wanting to accomplish any faster than 12 months. But, you know, we were, we just talked about all of it. And I, then I said, so here's, he started to get it. Okay. Okay. I understand. You're, you're trying to help me realize that I am being complacent, even though I didn't realize I was. And the reason I'm, you're helping me to understand, this is kind of the thought process that he was having, that I am complacent is because I did choose 12 month goals that if I wasn't complacent, I would have realized I could accomplish in, in 90 days, right? You guys get it? So he was making his goals to support his complacent approach to life. He was he intentionally, subconsciously wrote down goals and gave himself 12 months to accomplish them that he knew with virtually maybe a 10-minute conversation that he could knock out in 90 days. Fascinating, isn't it? And then we talked about, okay, then the next question I asked him is, uh, what, so what would happen if you accomplished your 12-month goals in 90 days? What would happen if you accomplished that specific financial goal, if you accomplished that specific relationship goal, familial goal, educational goal? You did it in 90 days. You don't give yourself 12 months to write a book. I mean, I'll, here, Julie's not here, but I'll give her credit. She signed a contract to write four books this year, four now, Harris Rules was a big book, huge project, took her like 18 months. And by her, I mean, she and I worked on the outline, we worked we worked on the content, but a bulk of the work was done by her and three editors. She did most of the work, for sure. So um, she then signed up to do four books this year. Now, in order for her to do four books, and she wanted to do it, she wants the challenge, she totally understands the importance of not allowing yourself to become intellectually complacent. Um, she then had to decide what she was going to give up. What is she? What, so, Julie, what are you going to, you know, she's not here, right? So what are you going to have to stop doing or what are you going to have to change in order to accomplish that goal? What would it mean to you if you were to accomplish that goal? What were the, you know, how would it feel to finally get those four books out of you that you've been, you know, walking around with forever? What would, so we talked about this, she and I, you know, and the conclusion was she's going to have to change her schedule, which she did. She moved all of her coaching calls to one day. She's going to have to do some other things that are, you know, basically time blocking in essence and using her time more wisely. And that's the same answer that the coaching client and I resolved was his solution as well with regards to condensing his 12-month goals into 90-day goals. So what would happen if he accomplished all of them in 90 days? And here's what the, res the resolution and the realization was from that conversation was that he actually was thinking way too small, which was what his problem was. He was thinking way too small. And so this is the next question I wrote down. You guys ready? You writing these things down? Let me find the question so I read it correctly. Uh, 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 I'm trying to find it. Okay. So the next goal, the next thing I asked him, why do I have not this not written down? Uh... Well, anyway, I know what it was. So the next question I asked him was what, so now we know that you can do your 12 month goals in 90 days. What would happen if you then, whatever you're, you know, after you realize you're going to accomplish these goals in 90 days, we created action plans to go about doing it. I gave him a lot of homework to do. He'll, I'm sure have it done, you know, in a few days, his planning and the, you know, the things he's going to have to stop doing in order to accomplish those goals, right? These are all the types of things you go through when you're trying to realize when you're trying to accomplish something meaningful, you know, you want to become a listing agent. You're probably gonna have to stop screwing around on Facebook so long. You know, if you want to lose 20 pounds, you're probably gonna have to, you know, stop eating carby foods. You guys get it? So there's a, you have to counterbalance what you have to do with what you're going to stop doing. You have to give up something and sometimes a lot of some things to get what you want, but always it's, it's, it's always worth it. it. And the exercise is knowing that you have to give it up. 
you can't lose weight and at the same time you're eating a bunch of donuts. And man, do I wish you could. Wouldn't that be amazing, by the way? Someone needs to come out with a donut that tastes like Krispy Kremes that you, uh, when you eat, nothing bad happens. You know, this is the second day in a row. Julie and I have talked about food on the podcast. Yesterday was pizza. <laughs> so sorry about that. <laughs> I'll try to avoid that. <laughs> I know some of you are salivating right now. I am. Okay, hold on. Drink a coffee. <laughs> All right. So my next question I asked him is what would happen if, now that you know you can do those goals in 90 days, it would have taken you 12 months, you took whatever your goals were, right? We're going to have to create new goals because you got to think bigger, but you 3X'd or 4X'd whatever your normal expectation is for yourself. So I'm going to make up his financial goal because I don't want to you know, talk out of church, but the essence of it is, is he wanted to save, let's just say, a quarter million dollars. So I said to him, what would happen if you saved a million dollars? And then here's what the fun part was. And this is the magic in thinking like this. And I want you guys to experience this too. But you know what? I'm going to make it more reasonable for for everyone. I want to make this exercise something that everyone can relate to. All right. I want you to think right now how you can save, and some of you I know this is easy, how you can save $100,000 in uh, after-tax cash this year. How can you do it? That's the goal. I want you to tell me how you're going to save $100,000 in after-tax cash. Some of you are going to resist it at first. That's your ego. You got to push past that. Set that set that side. We, you know, that's always going to be there. You don't have to listen to it now. Stay focused on the question. You have to save 100, you know, grand cash uh, after tax sitting in a savings account. How are you going to do it? Stay with the goal. Stay with it. What is your mind starting to tell you? At first, you start to have little answers. They're quiet. They're sometimes one-word answers. Then they start forming sentences, then paragraphs. And then if you don't let go focusing on the question, then your subconscious mind starts working on it. And then your brain is working on it all the time, trying to find a resolution to your problem, and your subconscious mind works on it. And then everything comes into clarity. And by this whole process, it can take moments. It can take seconds. It can take, you know, a week. But the reality of it is, is that you have within you everything it takes to accomplish, I'm not going to say every goal, but almost every goal that you might ever set for yourself. Like, for example, you know, look, I'm never going to become a Formula One driver as much as I'd want to, right? You know, I'm never going to become an astronaut. I'm never going to become an NBA basketball player. I could set my mind on it forever to be a Formula One race car driver, but it is never going to happen for all kinds of normal reasons. And nothing's wrong with that. You know, you guys get the gist of it. So setting real, don't say you set your mind to something you can accomplish anything. That's really not true. You can't. But if you set goals that are within the realm of reality of what you're actually able to accomplish, you know, given your physical limitations, right? Okay, you with me on this? I'm not saying mental. I'm not saying age. I'm not saying geographic. All these things, you you know, are fungible at the end of the day. But I'm saying as far as mentally what you're able to accomplish is anything you set your mind to, uh, to do with, within, you know, taking into consideration physical limitations. Yes, this is true. This is absolutely true. So $100,000 in 12 months, how would you do it? Now, some of you, well, my gosh, that's all the money in the world. I can't imagine having $100,000 in, in cash reserves. Remember, the average American has like less than $500 in savings. So by having 100000 in cash, you're going to be an exceptional <laughs> American, right? Now, maybe that's too easy for you. Maybe you can do that in a month. That's true with a lot of you. So let's make the goal a million dollars. How are you going to do it? Now, your mind is going to do this. It's going to look for reasons why the goal is unrealistic, and it's going to start flooding you with all the pain and suffering you're going to experience in pursuit of that goal. Push past that. So we start with, 
um, you know, essentially your ego saying you can't do it. Then we have your ego throwing up how much pain and suffering you're going to be experiencing in pursuit of the goal. And that's what kills most people's goal setting right there. That's the reason people think too small because their ego cuts them off at the knees. They never move past what their ego is telling them the cost of accomplishing the goal is going to be. There will be a cost, but it's worth paying, you know, depending on what the goal is, obviously it's worth paying. So what then happens? Then when you've set those things aside, you cannot eliminate those ty- that level of thinking. You call it negative thinking, call it whatever you want. It does not really matter. Who cares? You can't eliminate it. It's always going to be part of your thought process. Let it manifest and let it go and then move forward with the thinking. How are you going to save the money? Then your brain's going to start figuring it out. Then you're going to figure it out and then you're going to have an action plan. That is the difference between I've got it up on my dream board you know, and actually having, uh, accomplishing the goal. Now, if you can mix that in that process with fear of loss, if you then can start triggering that mechanism within you that you're going to lose with something you already have, and then you combine it with allowing your, the power of your subconscious mind. Some of you might call it attraction, but you know, the law of attraction, there is no law of attraction without action. And that's where most people fall on their face when they're trying to attract things to their lives. They're not taking the actions necessary you know, and that's okay. That's an eastern chasm to, to bridge, honestly. I mean, if you're able to at least intellectually understand how you can put your mind to work to solve a, a problem or, you know, accomplish a goal in this particular example, then after that, you then have to go in pursuit of the, uh, the goals, or I'm sorry, the action steps to accomplish the goal. And this is frankly where a lot of you guys are going to screw up because you're going to be naturally then attracted. Remember that second little hazard zone you walk through, the little minefield of the pain and suffering? You remember that part? The pain in your subconscious mind is going to say, the pain and suffering to accomplish this goal is going to be too much. You can't handle it, right? Ego reaction. Well, then you're going to actually say, oh, Tim, I brushed that aside. Now my subconscious mind is working on the path forward and, and creating the plan and you know, getting me into action. But what are the actions that you decide to take? So many of you will find yourselves looking for shortcuts, looking for easy buttons, because you didn't move past your ego's uh, attempt of railroading your potential by telling you the pain and suffering would be too great. You didn't move past it, and that's the reason you're looking for a diet pill. That's the reason you're looking for some easy fix-it thing. That's the reason you're not willing to make yourself uncomfortable every day. One of the things, every new coaching client, you guys join our coaching program, we're going to challenge you always to put yourself in a position, oh, this is going to make some of you squirmish, to hear the word no at least five times a day. I love saying that in front of a group audience because it's so cool from the stage to see people's reaction. Most people literally involuntarily gasp because they cannot imagine hearing the word no. It just, oh, no, 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 no. I am not going to ask a question that might result in the answer no. Okay, that's fine. You're not doing the real work of real estate. You're waiting around. You're hoping and you're praying. You're doing passive things. You're doing things that maybe someday won't probably ever pay off. You're going to most likely experience a lot of pain and suffering as a result of your inability or unwillingness to actually pass through that minefield. And that is what ends up happening. And that's what causes many people to fail. So the big thought here is you got to challenge yourself to think big because you only live once and you're dead a real long time. And this life, especially in this industry, you guys are all blessed, smart, whatever you want to call it, to have real estate licenses now. I say this all the time and I mean it. You know, Julie and I have been in the real estate industry for more than two decades, and I've never, ever been more excited about real estate, not just because I'm trying to fake enthusiasm, 
because I'm not. It's because I am that enthusiastic because I see all the things that are essentially wind at your back. But so many of you are still facing towards the wind. You're not realizing that the wind would love to help you down the path at a quicker pace if you're just to turn around and go in the right direction. You know, so here's the next question I asked him. And hopefully you guys are getting all this. I'm trying to condense a lot into a little bit of time. All right, so the next question, let me find, I'm trying to remember. I did write this one down. Okay, well, th- this is a version of the question I asked him. What would happen? Okay, this is what I asked him. So what would happen if you lightened the load? Okay, and I didn't say it that way to him. I'm getting caught in my own thinking, but the gist of it was, is he has a lot of personal hobbies and interests. He has, uh, you know, a, I think he has two boats and he has jet skis and he has all these things that are taking up capacity in his brain. And I heard this was, and so I was fortunate enough to have just recently read something very interesting about um, Elon Musk. And Elon Musk, as many of you know, moved out of California, is living, I believe, someplace outside of Austin, Texas. And um, he, in an interview, I think it was on Joe Rogan podcast, was talking about the fact that he was selling all of his houses, but not just his houses, he was selling personal possessions. And this guy is what? The richest guy in the world? Second richest guy in the world? So trust me when I tell you, he's not doing this because he's trying to raise money to pay a beer tab, right? So he was, and Joe was asking him, well, why are you, you know, he, and I'll put this in context. He was, Elon, had purchased all this land on the DL in California on some cliff and was, you know, essentially trying to you know, buy houses so they could knock them all down and build some sort of uh, Iron Man type housing situation. And he literally told Joe that he wanted it to essentially be an all glass house with all this cool Iron Man type, you know, you guys get it. It would have been really awesome to see. But um, he sold the land. And well, I think he said he was selling the land, if I'm being technically correct. And he's living in a rental or something like that. And he was getting rid of some of his other possessions. Um, I'm not sure if he's selling them on eBay or not. You know, I'm just trying to make a joke, but you guys get the gist of it. And then um, Joe asked him why. And he said this, and I thought this was a huge lesson for all of us. He said, because I only have so much bandwidth. At the end of the day, if I have a bunch of personal possessions, houses in his case, planes, helicopters, gosh knows what he has, right? I mean, the dude has a Tesla Roadster with an astronaut that he's put into permanent orbit around planet Earth. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know that, but it's true. Circulating, circ- going around our planet right now is an original Tesla Roadster with a you know mannequin in it, dressed as an astronaut with the top off. That's in permanent orbit outside of you know. You guys get it. So okay, <laughs> you, you with me on this? So he, Joe asked him, "Why did you get rid of all your stuff?" And he said, "Because it was essentially distracting me." So he then went in to describe exactly what I just described to you guys. Subconsciously, even though consciously he wasn't thinking about his big house, subconsciously he was. And he realized that it was taking up bandwidth for his ability to focus on his businesses. You know, his businesses are amazing, the things he's involved in. Everyone knows him for um, Tesla, but he's also SpaceX. He's also got a satellite company. He's also got a solar panel company. And you read occasionally that he's invested in other businesses as well. So this guy is definitely thinking like how many years ahead? Remember what would happen if you took your 12-month goals and made them into 90 days? He lives a life like that. He's trying to figure out how to get to Mars, right? He was putting power plants all over, you know, electric charge stations all around the United States, even before people knew he was doing it. I mean, that's kind of badass, don't you all think? So he said, I had to give up my personal possessions, not becoming a monk, because of the fact 
that he realized subconsciously those things were taking up bandwidth that he'd much rather use for the development of his bigger ideas. And I thought, wow, that is incredible. Because you would think that his ego would tell him that he needed that Iron Man house, that he needed that flashy, you know, everything, look at me type thing. Isn't that what people associate with people once they reach a certain threshold? You would need to show your wealth. You need to, you know, be Iron Man, basically. And maybe he went through that phase, but he certainly didn't stick there long. And it wasn't, he probably has the mental aptitude or he could. Now, some of you are saying, well, Tim, why didn't he just hire people to take care of his crap? Because the reality of it is, is even when you hire people to take care of your rental properties or your assets or your whatever, you still have to manage those people. If you ever back to complacency, become complacent about managing your people, then you're going to lose what you already have. You can never not be paying attention. There is no moment in your life where you're going to have that magic hire. You're going to discover that magic solution that's going to make it so you can, for a long period of time, become complacent. That does not happen ever. We are always in transition. And this might sound a little macabre, but we're even in transition after we're dead, aren't we? Yes, we are. Back to the earth. That's a transition. So we cannot ever stay complacent. You need to learn. I need to learn from Elon Musk in this particular example. And that's what I talked about with this gentleman. I said, so what is it that you like maybe have around you that might be taking up bandwidth that you're not even necessarily consciously realizing is, but in your subconscious mind where you could be starting to think bigger, in your subconscious mind where you could be creating who knows what in your life and for you and your family and your community. Who knows? I mean, the guy could go off to this coaching client. You, If he had less floating around in his subconscious mind, what could he create? Where would his mind, so like nature abhors the vacuum. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that before. Nature abhors the vacuum. So when you take something away, it doesn't take long for that. You know, like for example, if you guys said, I'm no longer going to schedule myself for the afternoon, you watch how quickly your afternoons get, you know, essentially fill back up with other things to do. That's just how life works. But if you then decide to remove things that you don't even realize are distractions, then all of a sudden you start creating magic in your life. So the point being is sometimes for you to move forward, well, scratch sometimes. For you to move forward, you have to decide what you're going to give up. And what you're going to give up oftentimes or what you should consider giving up oftentimes are the things that you maybe have worked so hard to accumulate thinking that that, uh, you know, the accomplishment of said goal was going to be motivational and what it's actually become is an anchor for more creative thinking. It's become an anchor for you to actually feel free because you got too much crap to take care of or you have too many people to you know, take care of your crap and you got to take care of those people. It's a circular thing that no matter how much money you have, it's always going to be there. There is no real delegation. Delegation is a myth. Delegation, look, you can delegate something, but what a lot of agents do is they abdicate. Don't, if you're going to delegate, don't abdicate. It's in our book, Harris Rules. And what that means is basically when you delegate, you can ask someone to do it. But you always have to, you know, you can trust that they'll do it, but you have to verify that it gets done. Don't abdicate. In other words, give up responsibility for the completion of said goal or task. You have to monitor. That's called being an effective boss. Everybody does that. Oh, Tim, you're a micromanager. Damn right I am. If that means I'm monitoring the people that I'm trusting to basically move the ball down the field for us personally and in our business for all of our clients, if you think I'm not going to you know, hold them accountable to what they say they're going to do, how they say they're going to do it, if you think I'm not going to have a certain set of standards that I'm always going to be monitoring that they're at least meeting, if not exceeding, you know, of course I am. And all of you should be as well. And it is really interesting to me. 
when I listen to other, you know, I don't mean to be crit. Well, hell, I don't care if I'm critical. When I listen to other supposed thought leaders and gurus, especially in the real estate coaching space, and I listen to them talk bullshit about how you're supposed to form a big team and you delegate all the things you don't want to do and you hold the system holds them accountable to getting the results. That's look, there's a little bit of a that's a sexy thing. That's a nice thing to say. And boy, doesn't that sound like some sort of fancy life? That's not how real business works. If you're going to be a CEO, if you're going to be a boss, if you're going to manage people, if you're even going to manage your own house, you have to make sure that you can delegate that particular task, no matter how menial, but you have to make sure it's being done. You can do it passively. You can do it through a dashboard on your computer, you know, monitoring that certain things are being met, you know, certain people are doing certain, you guys get the gist of what I'm saying. KPIs in your business, all these things you can monitor. That's a great way to do it without you having to necessarily, you know, overtly micromanage somebody. That is a system that's micromanaging people in a way. But you then, guess what? You're having to watch the dashboard. You're having to monitor the KPIs, aren't you? So guess what? If you stop monitoring that dashboard, if you stop monitoring those KPIs, then you're going to, what? somehow manage to hire someone that's going to have the same level of knowledge, same level of dedication and care and feeding of your business that you are, not going to happen. It just doesn't happen that way. Big businesses, you have a board of directors that holds the executives accountable, right? That's the way it works. There's checks and balances. But as small business owners, we have no checks and balances, do we? We just essentially have ourselves, you know, and no one else is really paying attention to what we are and aren't doing. So we can walk, you know, go through life, go through our day in business, and never actually do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. And you might be able to get away with that for a while, especially in a seller's market. You could stumble across some easy deals. You can make some money. You know, you can waste all your time on social networking and then somehow convince yourself that that's what got you your business where the reality of it was is you bought the lead from, you know, some, maybe you got a referral from some other agent. You know, these are the types of things that if you want to be successful long-term in real estate, you've got to really be introspective and just really be honest about the fact that you are trying to avoid the real work in real estate. You are trying to fight to be complacent. Even if you, I say these things, you're saying, your ego is saying, Pay attention if this actually just happened. Did your ego, when I said you are trying to be complacent, did your mind tell you, screw that guy. I'm not trying to be complacent. He doesn't even know. I get up at 4.30 every day, blah, 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 okay? But I get it. And maybe in a lot of ways, you're not being complacent. But if you were to say, okay, I'm going to think about that. Where am I being complacent? I get up at 4.30 every morning and I run five miles. Probably not there. You're probably good. Except, guess what? Have you been running five miles for how long? Is that just basically something that's become easy for you? Uh-oh, you're complacent. So maybe tomorrow it's five and a half miles or six miles or whatever. Or maybe you need to mix it up and start swimming and running. You become complacent. This is, happens to all of us all the time. And again, mostly it happens subconsciously, so we don't even realize we've slipped into it. Relationships-wise, guys, this is something you all got to work on. I've got to work on it every day. Julie's got to work on it every day. You know, our daughter's got to work on it every day. She's, it's so funny. She's only seven. And it's, you know, I pull her aside sometimes when she says something kind of snarky. And I point out to her that Zoe, you know, her grandma, my mom lives with us, right? And most days I feel like we're living with her, but you get the gist of it here in Puerto Rico. And my mom's almost 81. And so sometimes they have a little turf battle over something and Zoe doesn't realize 
that she needs. She doesn't even know what relationship skills are really, but I will point out to her how she maybe can approach something slightly different for, with Nana. And the cool thing about little kids is generally speaking, they'll take action on it right away. So I'll give Zoe little scripts or I'll tell her little techniques or just little things. And she employs them immediately. I wish all of our coaching clients were like that, honestly. You know, as we get older, we obviously have ego becomes more dominant in our lives. There's, I don't want to get on this soapbox, but it's very fascinating. There's been a lot of research about that. Like when little kids are like, you know, I noticed when Zoe was about five, no ego. Now she's beginning to become conscious of what she looks like, you know. She's starting to become conscious of all these little, you know, it's cute, but it also has ego creeping in. And then the uh, prevailing belief is, is that when you start going into puberty, that's when ego really starts to, uh, to kick in. And that's when people's behaviors really become sort of restrictive. And they start, you know, basically forcing themselves in, to think smaller, act smaller. And then you're essentially being, until you work through it, you're essentially always doing battle with that, you know, the ego in essence. And by the way, there's a great book written by a friend of ours, Ryan Holiday, called Ego is the Enemy. You guys should all read that. Um, I did a long, I think it was two hours, interview with him at a live event we did. Those videos are on um, YouTube, so you can watch those. And I asked him all kinds of great questions of, you know, that would be relevant to real estate agents, so you guys should uh, watch those interviews and at least you know, get his book, Ego is the Enemy. So what are you taking away from all of this? All of us are easily uh, you know, wooed into being complacent, and oftentimes, it's we're complacent in the areas that we should be that we should be uh, the complacent with the least, right? Look, if you're going to be complacent with something, choose something that doesn't matter. Choose something that won't ruin your relationships, your finances, or your health, right? Choose something like maybe you're going to just, you know what? You're going to be complacent with your gardening, right? You're going to be complacent with whatever it is. That's fine. Let that go. Focus on the things that matter. But start with the concept that everything in your life this time of year needs to be upgraded. So assume no sacred cows. Every single thing in your life, you need to address it as, I am complacent in this particular thing. I am complacent in my, again, what is it? Relationships, family, education, spirituality, and finances. I am complacent all across the board. This is what Jules and I do. Nothing that we think is a perfect system is perfect. We're being lazy with it. We need to upgrade it. And, you know, again, we talk about this in our book, Harris Rules. Now, we'll go through something, we'll kick it around for a while, and we'll realize, well, there's not really uh, a way for us to improve whatever it is that we're trying to do. And so maybe this is what it is. I give Julie credit, too. She's at the gym that I took, you know, I'm putting this on Instagram, too, mostly to motivate her, by the way. So she was doing, um, what are they called? Sumo squats, where you hold this weight and you're, you do a squat, you know, you stick your butt out, you try to click the weight on the ground. And, you know, it's a big deal. You're trying to get your leg, your knees and your you know, upper legs at a 90 degree angle and you pull back up. Well, she had been using, I think it was 50 pounds or 55 pounds for a long time. Now I, you know, pulled the weights off the weight rack for her and she does two types of sumo squats, one with 35 pounds and this other one with the, maybe it's 50 or 60 pounds. Well, I went to the weight rack and I put down, I think it was 75 or 80 pounds and I, and she, you know, didn't realize I changed it. Right. And then she starts doing the sumo squats. And I, again, I didn't tell her I changed it. So she was doing it just thinking, well, I was just maybe, you know, I can imagine what knowing my wife that she was just thinking, well, it's just hard because it's hard and it's always hard, but maybe it wasn't normally as hard as it is. And I'm just going to keep pushing through. And so what she did is she has to do, she usually does 36 or 48 of these things in different sets, right? So she did her first set 
Um, and then she went off and did another sumo squat rain around with the 35s. Then she went back, back and forth, back and forth. She does crunches in between, right? And, and then it was, she was halfway through, and I told her that I changed the weight. And um, then she looked to see what the number was on the weight because the number – it's hard to read because these weights are old. And so I told her I changed the weight. And I then you know, asked her how many she had just done. And she didn't realize that she just was lifting what amounted to about 30% more, squatting with 30% more than she normally lifted. So did I trick her? Yes, I did. Uh, had she known that I increased the weight, would she have actually done it? No, she would not have. She would have said, it's too much. I can't do it. But what happened was her body had adapted to being able to easily uh, do a sumo squat with the amount of weight that she'd been using forever. And she didn't realize she'd become stronger. Isn't that interesting, listeners? And all of us are that way. So she had become complacent with sumo squats of all the silly things. Not a good thing if you're you know, working on your legs. Not a good thing if you're wanting to keep yourself physically challenged. Well, I'm of course, I fall prey to those same exact things. So I'm always looking to add 15 pounds or do things like that. I'm somebody who uh, likes to look for areas that I'm complacent and pick on them. I'm omnipre- Like if you were to ask Julie, what is Tim's greatest fear? Without a doubt, she'd say becoming complacent because that is the thing that it's always haunting me because I have seen so many coaching clients who've allowed complacency to creep in their lives um, in all of the five categories of goal setting in the lives or just maybe one or two of them. And so I'm omnipresent of it because I don't want to experience that personally. And furthermore, I have to tell you, I feel morally obligated not to allow myself to become complacent because if I allow myself to complacent, I am going to be crappy in other aspects of my life, primarily professionally. In any aspect of my life, I allow myself to become complacent. It's going to trickle into other aspects of my life. And all of a sudden, I lose what I already have, the trust of you guys, right? So if I show up to this podcast or I'm doing something else with Julie in our business and we just are just okay, well, you know, maybe we're you know on a scale one to 10, maybe we're normally like a nine or a, a 10 maybe on some days or maybe we, you know, we hum along at like an eight and a half. But all of a sudden you start listening and it's like, oh, you know what? They, these guys, they used to have some sort of je ne sais quoi, but now it's like, eh, you know, and what happened was we became, you know, if this were to happen, when it won't, I promise you, is, you know, if we were to become complacent, you guys would start not feeling the same way, listening to us, engaging with us, reading our books, buying our coaching programs, you know, engaging with us. You would feel that we had changed and you'd be right. And that's your subconscious mind picking up the fact that Tim and Julie had become complacent. You guys get it? Now, we shared yesterday where we had indeed, indeed had become physically complacent. She and I gained a bunch of weight. And this is back when we sold real estate, right? Isn't that funny? Selling real estate at a high level and weight gain seemed to go hand in hand. <laughs> Seems to. Um, so it does creep up with all of us. I've experienced it. All of us have experienced it. But if you're always aware of it, if you're at least willing to set your ego aside and start with the fresh thought that, Every aspect of my life, I'm complacent. I'm complacent where I live. I'm complacent what I say. I'm complacent what I read. I'm complacent with what I think. I'm complacent with my, you know, reactions or my interactions with the people I that I supposedly love and care about. I'm complacent with my religion. I'm complacent with my finances. I'm complacent. Go through every single aspect of your life, especially the ones that you think you've got locked down and say, you know what? I'm going to take the challenge and I'm going to look for a way I'll go back to this coaching client so we can draw, you know, close the loop here. You know, how do you accomplish 12 month goals in three months? How, what would that mean? What would happen if you did that? And that's where it all starts. Hopefully you guys are getting the gist of what I'm trying to pass along here. I know you are. Isn't that interesting when you hear something like this? 
that it's not even like I'm having, I'm not even saying fancy things, right? I'm keeping things, and Julie and I know from coaching, you keep things very practical and tactical, right? You don't need to come up with all these, you know, woo-woo theories and graphs and you know, overly complicated ways of explaining anything because when it's true, you know it's true and you know subconsciously it's true. And when it's kind of a fake thing, that's where all the flowery garbage comes in. That's where anytime, <laughs> anytime you hear a any sort of coach or guru, anytime you heard them use the word physics, you know they're full of shit. Because what they're doing is they're quoting theoretical physics to try to essentially create this non-relevant paradigm of essentially theoretical physics being like the law of attraction, for example, things vibrating, for example, all these theoretical physics theories. And then they try to say that they're true and they say them with enough authority and some of their brilliant gifted speakers that you believe it's true, but it's just theoretical. It's woo woo. It's pseudoscience. It's not real. And this is a lot. This is the problem ultimately with where you, you know, remember we were talking about essentially pushing through the different levels to get to the point where you're going to let your mind start manifesting what you want. And that oftentimes means clearing out the closet, giving up stuff, choosing not to spend your time doing what you were doing before so you can allow new thoughts to enter in your mind. Well, what happens oftentimes, especially this time of year, is you guys are going to trip over the mindset gurus, the mindset coaches. You're going to start working on your mindset. You're going to go to some seminars. You're going to read some books. You're going to do all this stuff, and then you're going to lose another year because you're too busy working on your mindset. I'll tell you how you work on your mindset, ultimately, is you actually get into action doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. The, and use some of the tricks I gave you, especially the one where you're able to basically manipulate yourself through fear. Now, when you do that and when you start actually doing the things you didn't think you could do or never would do, your mindset changes. You become a different person. It happens with the action. The mindset cannot lead the action. You can have a plan. Remember I said, how do you let your subconscious mind work on how to accomplish the goal? But that's not the game. That's not how you win. You have then have to take the actions. And that's, again, not studying your mindset. Taking an action is not getting ready to get started is what I'm trying to say. Taking an action is not making a plan. Taking an action is actually figuring all that along the way. <laughs> you guys get it? I mean, that's really how this works. It's not any more complicated than that. But people want to make it complicated. Why? Because when it's complicated, they don't actually have to take any <gasps> action because they're too busy working on it. Julie, why haven't you, or Bob, why haven't you sold, I don't know who this Bob is I keep on picking on. <laughs> I'm going to pick on Sally. Sally, why haven't you actually sold any houses? Because I'm creating my funnels. I'm working on my brand. I'm creating this. I'm creating this. I'm creating the other thing. I, you know, listen to some fairy tale about all these complicated social networking things I'm supposed to have in place. I'm working on all that. I'm going to become the mayor of my town, right? All these things that people have been saying for the past 30 years, even before the internet, people were saying this stuff. Okay. That's what that person has been fooled into believing is taking action. It's not. That's not taking the right action. That's not doing the real work of real estate. Here's what's doing the real work of real estate. You are having direct conversations with people who want to buy or sell a house. All the rest of it is a waste of time. Not a complete waste of time, but it's a waste of time by comparison to having a direct conversation with someone who wants to buy or sell a house. But Tim, Tim I need to generate leads. Uh, <laughs> that's what all this is about. That's the reason I spend so much time on all these other things to generate leads, uh, right? Okay. You know how easy leads are to get, especially buyer leads. Take a listing. Tim, I don't know how to take a listing. Learn how to take a listing. There's the actions you should be taking. Learn while you're actually taking listings. Learn while you're actually going after the, you know, doing proactive lead generation. You guys getting what I'm saying here? It's all in your grasp. 
It's not this real estate industry. Look, guys, myself uh, being the absolute example of what I'm about to say, industry doesn't generally speaking uh, attract the best and the brightest. I mean, I was not given the opportunity. Uh, Tim, here's your choice. We're going to give you two choices. We want you to become a uh, you know a rocket scientist, a brain surgeon. Uh, we want you to write the next War and Peace, or get a real estate license. You choose. I mean, you know, you're able to do any of them, but you know, which one are you going to choose? I wasn't given those choices, right? And probably neither one of you or none of you were either. Most people find themselves in real estate. It's not the first choice. I mean, Julie, if she were here, she'd be telling a joke. You know, there's probably, aside from children of real estate people, there's never been a kid ever that said, when I grow up, I want to be a real estate agent. Now, I'll tell you something interesting as I'm learning, um, as we frankly take on more coaching clients around the world, I'm learning that in different cultures, in different countries, being a real estate agent is actually a very desirable uh, profession. It's not like in the United States that where, you know, every single survey that's, you know, ever been done about the least to most respected professions, most was all, almost always something with, you know, doing with medicals like nurses and whatnot or firefighters, you know, good, honorable people and least desirable profession to get into was a used car salesman or oh, a real estate agent. And those were the re results. And I think I haven't seen one of these surveys in a long time, but I think USA Today used to do them and other people have done them. Just Google. And generally speaking, we'd be at the bottom of the list, like battling it out with used car salesmen for the least respected profession, right? So no one grows up wanting to be a real estate agent. But here's the thing. You are a real estate agent. You do have a real estate license. And if even though you necess didn't necessarily, uh, you know, you wouldn't have necessarily thought this was your path when you were younger, um, it is an honorable profession when you do the profession honorably. And if you always remember that the highest and truest purpose of all of us on this planet and this is absolutely true is to be of service to other people. That's it. If you want to, you know, essentially figure out the real formula for wealth and maybe you don't have as much wealth as you'd want. Maybe you have no wealth. Maybe you have negative wealth, right? Why is it that you're not in the financial position that you want to be? It's because you struggle to understand or understand and then accept, I have to say, that there's a direct relationship, a direct correlation between the number of people you help accomplish their goals in life and the amount of everything that you're going to ever experience in life. And by everything, I mean everything. The materialistic things in life, the relationship things in life, you know, the experiences, all the things that you want to have a well-lived life, those all come on the other side of helping other people. Why does, for example, like my friend Ryan Holiday, he's a best-selling author. I think he's written four or five books. He's got a great life. He's got a ranch outside of Austin. He's got many horses and just really nice life, right? Why is he able to live that life? He doesn't have a nine to five. He's not having to do, you know, a lot of doing what he doesn't want to do when he doesn't want to do it at the highest level. And he's young. He's not even 40, I don't think. So why is he able to live a life like that? Because he's written books that have helped millions and millions of people. He's helped millions and millions of people. So he deserves the right to experience the success that he's that he's experiencing, right? And the same goes with everyone. There's a direct relationship between the number of people you help accomplish their goals and the amount of everything that you're ever going to experience in life. So if you are struggling with why am I not richer and somebody who's, you know, they were born with a silver spoon and they had an unfair, those things may or may not be true. But the, what is true is that you can control what your financial destiny and frankly, your other, all your other destinies by helping other people. Start with that. Because once you click with that, my highest and truest purpose on this planet is to help other people. The people I've chosen to help are you guys. 
Julie as well, and all of our coaches, 13 coaches, and we have you know, 14 other people that work for us. It's a medium-sized company, let's say. All of us are professionally focused on taking care of all of you at the highest level, making your lives better. Because the other side of you making uh, us making your lives better, and we've been doing it for decades, is what we want in life. If we stop doing that at a high level, you wouldn't listen to us. You wouldn't buy our books. You wouldn't you know, join our coaching programs, would you? It's because we're making your lives better. That's what our focus is. And that's what Julie and I, that's the reason Julie and I will not allow ourselves to be complacent. Because we will lose what we already have if we stop doing what our mission is and what our highest and truest purpose is. If you think like that, there's no limit to what you can accomplish in life. That's the blessing. And in real estate right now, guys, there's never been a better time, at least as far as I'm aware, to have a real estate license anywhere on planet Earth. So if you're listening and you're in Bangladesh and we have listeners in the Middle East, we have listeners in all over Europe and countries I don't even know where they are, you guys are blessed. You did the right thing at the right time. Now you have got to take the right actions. Get into the mindset that you have to be in front of as many people who want to primarily sell their houses as frequently as possible. If you're wanting to more drill down on what I'm saying, just download the Real Estate Treasure Map. Just simply text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Text 2021 to 855-685-1045. So I just talked to you guys for an hour straight, hour and two minutes, okay? Now, I want you to ask yourself, how do you feel? Some of you, I'm sure, were listening. Others of you are listening passively. Others of you are like, how do I turn this thing off, <laughs> right? I mean, I get it. So, but how do you feel? You feel motivated, probably. You feel like you have a sense of direction. You have, a, hopefully, some education. You have, then, you now have to click into that, I need to realize that my highest and truest purpose of being of service to other people. I need to help people. You need to help real estate through real estate transactions. You need to help primarily sellers. And then when you do that, when you've earned the right to be the listing agent, because you have the skill set to help that seller, you know, essentially create the most desirable outcome for them, then the world is your oyster. There is no limits to what you can create. Fight being complacent. You're never done. Ever, ever, ever. You're never done. You never essentially are ever allowed, and you should have this as a rule for yourself, to be complacent with anything. Look, if you want to take a couple weeks off and you don't want to give a crap, who cares? It's two weeks. But you're going to pay the price for that two weeks, by the way. It's going to catch up with you. But look, all of us need to unplug. But overall, there's no such thing as complacency. It's a myth. And that's the bottom line. So don't think you can take a break. You can't. Don't think you can stop evolving. You can't. And if you don't like what I'm saying, if it's offending you, if it makes you mad, it's because your ego is fighting with you to stay complacent. And you got to realize that. Otherwise, you are going to then be put in a situation, hopefully, you know, not too soon, but you then will be put in a position where you are going to have a situation where you're going to lose something you already have. You're going to have financial problems, most likely, or health problems, because you didn't do what you didn't want to do when you didn't want to do it voluntarily. You had to wait for something bad to happen or the threat of something bad to happen like Monet did before you actually took action. You guys, hopefully you get this. Listen, I love being um, your coach or in some cases your podcast presenter. Julie and I love being part of your lives. It's an honor to be your, your coach. It's an honor to have um, this journey to walk with you. This is how we feel. We're walking right beside you. We are. Every single day when you wake up and you're selling real estate and you're getting on with your day, 
we're thinking about you. You're thinking about us. We're part of the same group family, if you want to call it that. And it's not a cult. It's not a religion. It's people in pursuit of essentially reaching a point where they are actually almost, I hate to use a woo-woo word, but self-actualized because we know we're living a life of importance because we're being of service to other people. We know we're constantly evolving. We're not fighting against it. We're consciously aware of our subconscious uh, mind's uh, essentially desire to be complacent. We are looking out for the early warning signs like we talked about in the podcast yesterday. So listen, guys, I love your ideas. I love your inspiration. I love any suggestions you have. Uh, for the podcast, any topics so we're not drilling down enough, text me those ideas. I love it. 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. We're here to serve you. If you ever need us for anything, text me directly at 512-758-0206. And also, I always want to remind all of you guys, Julie and I are involved with eXp Realty. If you're looking to join eXp Realty and you're looking for the right sponsor, please give us a shot. Text me directly. Let's have a conversation. 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day and we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.